Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube and Facebook Live. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 South East Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. Um, as we transition kind of in the service, I, I have a couple videos today of deep, profound significance to the message, so you, you won't want to miss it. Can we turn the AC up? I'm dying back here. It's on. Can't you feel it? Can you feel that? Oh. <laughs> Jeff, eat a Snickers, please. Why? Every time you get hungry, you turn into a diva. Just eat it so Ooh. we can all coexist. Turn into a diva. Put in your system, cranky pants. Okay. Thank you. Better? Better. Will you get your knees out of the back of my seat? <laughs> you're not you when you're hungry. Snickers satisfies. You're playing like Betty White out there. That's not what your girlfriend said. Oh, baby. Eat a Snickers. Better? Better. Hey. That hurt. You're not you when you're hungry. Snickers satisfied. <laughs> you're not you when you're hungry. Can anybody relate to that this morning? Like, I know at my house, like, we don't travel to Harrisonburg, okay? From Elkton, mind you, without snacks because you're not you when you're hungry. Uh, if you can relate to that a little bit, it's an idea that we call hangry. Does everybody know what hangry means? A little bit irritable, a little bit agitated when you start to get hungry. Uh, I didn't realize this, but hangry has made it to the dictionary now. Like, that's where we are as a society. You're welcome. Hangry is in the dictionary. Uh, it's a real thing that can happen to us, and many of you have been there and experienced it. And if you can relate to that feeling, uh, if you can relate to that feeling of hangry, you can begin to relate even on a small scale to what the children of Israel are enduring, what they're going through as they journey through the desert. Now, a, a desert place is not packed with many Kroger's and Walmarts. It's more of a place of scarcity, a lack of resources. And about a month into their journey, the people of Israel are experiencing hunger, hangry, has begun to set in in their story, and it's blurring their memory even of all of God has done for them over the past couple of weeks. As they begin to lose sight of God's faithfulness, as they begin to forget just weeks ago God's miraculous provision, we again find them upset, and yes, even complaining about their circumstances. If you've been here for maybe the first two parts of the series, you're beginning to catch a theme, right? Like, this sounds familiar. 
We might even wish today as we unpack our story that we could console the people of Israel with the now famous line, you're not you when you're hungry. With that, I welcome you back to our teaching series, The Wanderers. Uh, We're taking an intentional journey for the next several weeks uh, through the story of the children of Israel. We want to engage this story as they were brought up out of slavery in Egypt for generations and brought into God's promised land for his people. And, And what we're seeing already in learning is that on the verge of their dreams, on the verge of everything being great, everything actually appears to be a nightmare. On the verge of their dreams, everything seems to be a nightmare. Have you ever been there? Have you been to that point in your story? Uh, Already, uh, this story has provided us opportunity to reflect and and consider our own wanderings, our own journeys with the Lord. And, And really, that's the main reason that we're working through this. The Apostle Paul told the church in Corinth that these stories were preserved, that they actually happened, that we might have an example written down for us. And friends, we're taking the journey to glean those lessons. And just a time out for a moment, uh, if you've missed a couple services or if you've missed a message here, uh, I invite you to go to cotnaz.org. That's our church website. Uh, There's a watch, listen tab there, and you can catch up on the services from past weeks. We celebrate summertime. We celebrate vacations and being able to take time away with your family to exhale. Uh, We're with you, but we also ask that you stay connected with us. Stay in touch with us. And one way you can do that is by catching up on the messages. And they're also posted on our East Rockingham Campus Facebook group. Uh, If you're not a member of that, I would invite you to look that up uh, on Facebook. That's a place that we communicate lots of information and updates, and our past services are posted there. Uh, But anyway, uh, as we get back into our story in Exodus, we're going to be in chapter 16 today. You can start thumbing your way there. Uh, we're joining the children of Israel once again in the desert, and they're facing another opportunity, and yes, I phrased that correctly, another opportunity to trust the Lord as their provider. Uh, already, we get the sense that this story is building towards something. That this is not just an account of some details and some grumblings, but that there's a bigger theme, a bigger something going on today. And in this story, and it would not be an overstatement to say that this story of the wanderers is one of the most important accounts in world history and human history, and yes, the history of God's people. And we would, even if we didn't have the rest of the story, if we didn't know how it ends, we can trace themes of God's provision, of his leading, of his grace and his mercy, his miraculous power. We can see God proving himself time and time again trustworthy and faithful to his people. But yet we can also sense that the people are just not totally grasping what God's up to, that they haven't settled it in their minds or in their hearts of just the journey that They're on. Even after witnessing time and time again God's favor and his his miracles provided at the next challenge, they find themselves grumbling and complaining against the Lord. And it's clear that this journey is designed specifically to serve a greater purpose. Our teaching text today is going to begin in verse 1 of chapter 16 where we join the children of Israel there. Chapter 16, verse 1, uh, the whole Israelite community set out from Elam. Now, if you remember from last week, this Elam is, is the place where the Lord provided water. There was 12 springs and palms there. It was a place of, of reprieve and oasis. And, and that idea was they had more water than what they could ever imagine they needed. And so God provided in that place. And so they're setting out once again on their journey. 
And so they set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. Verse 2, it says, In the desert the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. Like, really? If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There, there we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve us to death or to starve this entire assembly to death. Now, now if you were here last week, I, I, I think I know what you're probably thinking. Haven't we been here before? Like you see, this, this grumbling, this complaining motive is almost verbatim what we unpacked last week. It sounds so close to that storyline. Again, it's so easy for us in these moments, having the whole story in our hands, to ask those questions, right? Y'all know the questions I'm talking about. When you read that story and you're thinking, how can they forget so fast? I mean, we're, we're only weeks away from the Red Sea. We're only a, a weeks away, maybe, or days away from being provided water, yet they're, they're spacing out. They forget. How can they do that? They're not, they're not going to forget God's provision, are they? Like, it's those questions that come to our minds, and it's also those questions that we hear the Holy Spirit asking us, aren't they? Like, you're, you're not going to forget, are you? You're not going to forget about my strong hand in your life and my leading and my guiding. You, you're not going to forget now, are you? You see, God asks a lot of those questions of us that we would ask of the children of Israel. It's becoming pretty clear the farther we get into this story that God's moving and his leading is on purpose. It's not happen chance. He's on a very specific path of testing and training his people. And we're joining that journey this summer. And it's going to take more than one training session for them to totally grasp, to really see what's going on within their own hearts. Because sometimes we're... Uh, pretty set on learning things the hard way, aren't we? As we journey with the children of Israel through the Exodus story, specifically in this chapter 16, we will again be reminded of the problem of grumbling and complaining against the Lord, but yet we're also going to see again the provision and, yes, the compassion of the Lord. And we also see another opportunity, another opportunity for the people of God to trust him in their place of greatest need. Let's pray together this morning. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, uh, for your word, that, Lord, you have preserved this story, this text for thousands of years, Lord, that in 2022 in Elkton, Virginia, we can unpack it. And so, God, thank you for your word. And, and Lord, today we're here as students of, of the Bible. We're seeking to know you and your character, Lord. And, and yes, we want to understand our own tendency in our own lives to grumble, to complain, to, to push back against you. And so, Lord, as we journey through this story, will you open our hearts? Lord, we want to submit ourselves to you. We want to be honest. And, Lord, we want to be closer to you. And so, will you come? Will you come, Lord? Search us and know us. Lord, we love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. As we rejoin the story here today, they're about a month in, a month and a half 
uh, has passed since the Red Sea. And so the Lord has, has shown them. He's not left them without evidence. He's not left them without powerful testimony of his faithfulness, of his goodness, of his ability and overwhelming power in the face of impossible odds to provide for his people. He has not left them without this evidence, without this display. I mean, from the plagues back in Egypt, even before they left, even before they were called out of the land, they witnessed God's provision and his election of his people as he displayed his power against the nation of Egypt. And, and even down to the Red Sea, he displays again his power over the forces of nature as he literally parts the Red Sea and they pass through on dry ground. And as they get to the other side, they turn back to see their enemy totally consumed. That was the power and the display of God showing his faithfulness, showing his resolve to his people to provide and care for them in those moments. So it's not like this test came out of nowhere because the, the pillar of cloud is leading them by day and the pillar of fire by night and right down to meeting their most basic needs of drinking water, God has been there faithfully. And yet they're grumbling. They're grumbling because they, they've traveled for a while now. They, they've begun to use up their food supplies and they could see that starvation was a pretty real possibility on the horizon. And the tense of the language there is not that they were starving presently, but just more so that they could see it coming. You know, they were on the beginning verge of getting hangry before it really set in. But even at that, they, they became hangry. They, they lost sight of the opportunity to call out to God to meet their needs once more. They lost that opportunity, and instead, they grumble and complain. They, they cry out against God, even wishing they had just been left alone in Egypt. And in these difficult moments, they essentially turn their backs on God's plan after all they've witnessed. And, and, and their responses, they're, they're easy to imagine, right? This journey stinks. I just want to go home. Like, leave me alone. I want to go back. This is not all it's cracked up to be. Maybe it would have sounded like, this is just too hard. I don't even like the desert. I'm done. These responses are so real and so easy to imagine. They're very real feelings rising to the surface in their hearts. And time and time again, we see the people becoming so focused on the circumstances before them that they lose sight of the faith and the trust they should have in God that has made the way and led them up to this very moment. And, and in saying things like, if we could have just stayed in Egypt, at least we had food to eat. Like somehow the mistreatment and the horrible oppression they endured was lost because they were just focused that they could have something to eat. And they were so done in this moment that they even accused the Lord of bringing them out in the desert just to let them die there. And from our vantage point on this story, we can recognize the absurdity of that comment, right? But in those moments, they couldn't. They couldn't. What should we take from that point alone? That we can see it so clearly, but in the moment of desperation, in the moment of need, they couldn't see it. They couldn't see what God was up to. They lost sight of him. What should we take from that? I shared a little bit last week about my story, uh, my, my transition season, if you will, coming out of construction industry and into ministry. Uh, I spent a number of years there at the church, and I had a lot of lessons to learn. And 
We can unpack that. We can go to coffee if you want to hear more about it. But I had a lot of lessons to learn uh, to go from leading men all around the area in construction to humbly serving in God's kingdom. And, And so that was my journey. That was my desert, if you will. And the church is a beautiful place to work. So the desert was my experience. And so I'm in that season and and oh boy, uh, there's plenty of grumbling and complaining I could tell you about. I just assume not. Uh, but somewhere in that journey, I remember one day I was probably grumbling uh, about the circumstances. And I remember Pastor Kerry. He was our lead pastor there at the Harrisonburg campus at the time. And I remember him saying uh, or asking me, uh, how long do you think you're going to be here? How long do you think you're going to be on this journey? Now, one, I'm getting tired of it. I'm probably overconfident in myself, and I'm already longing for something different, right? And I could go back and point to God's faithfulness, but in that moment, I was confident in myself, I was tired of it, and I was ready to get out of there. And so I answered, I probably a year. Now, I hadn't been there a year yet, mind you. And I'll never forget Pastor Carey's response. He kind of huffed, and I'm sure it was a sanctified response. I'm sure it was. But he kind of huffed and said something like this. He said, I bet you're here three years. Now, don't tell him I said this. You want to guess how many years I was there? Three. Three. You know, because I was on a journey and I couldn't see what God was up to. I couldn't see what I really needed in those moments. And it took three years. And so what we see in this reality is that in the middle of our circumstances, in the middle of our desert, that wasteland sometimes that we feel like we live in, that God, if we're following his leading, if we're being obedient, he has led us there, that he is up to something good on our behalf, even though we can't see it, even though it feels the opposite. Faith has to rise up and we have to say, Lord, I trust you in this place. I trust you in this place. As we continue in our text today, we're going to find that the Lord is near because that's the feeling that the enemy wants to throw at you, right? Oh, the Lord's left you here. He's called you up out of that Egypt you were in and he's just abandoned you here. That's the voice of the enemy in our ear. But no, God is near because he's the one leading us in those places. And he's so near in our story, in fact, that he heard the people's complaints. And those moments, like if it was up to us, we would just say, fine, you bunch of brats, go back to Egypt right? Like, that's how we roll. But praise the Lord, that's not him. He's more compassionate and gracious and has a bigger view than that. That's not the Lord. Let's, let's read his response in verse 4. Now, immediately on the heels of the grumbling, on, on the heels of, I wish you'd have just left us in Egypt, you brought us out here to kill us, this is the Lord's response in verse 4. He says, then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. That's good. (laughs) He's good to us. I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they're to prepare what they bring in, and it is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. God responds in these moments to his people's need for food and they're grumbling not with condemnation but with compassion. Now, I'm not suggesting today, friends, that grumbling should be our plan A. But God 
God still responded compassionately. In these moments, the Lord moves and he begins to rain down bread from heaven every day. Not only did he provide what they needed, he provided it in a way that they never expected, that it directly fell from the heavens and they just simply had to go gather. And this would go on for the next 40 years in the desert. Every day was a day of provision and, yes, an opportunity to trust. Because that's really contained in this provision of bread is a a daily test, a daily opportunity to take God at his word that he is provider and healer of his people. Because they were only to go out and gather what they needed for one day. And scholars debate on what that quantity was. Some say it was around a quart to two quarts. I mean, you think of your mayonnaise jar. You think that's about what they're to go gather that every day. And so what this testing is that it's will you trust the Lord not to try to gather all you can, but gather today and trust that the Lord will provide tomorrow what you need. This invitation to daily harvest ran against their farming roots. Like they were used to just like we would when veggies come on in the garden, you harvest them all, right? And you store them away. And so God was asking them to trust even though it didn't make sense because there was going to be no leftovers allowed in this story. And you know, the the testing here was not all about their ability to follow the rules, but it was as much designed to reveal the leaning of their hearts. The leaning of their hearts. Would they trust him every single day or would they try to work ahead a little bit just in case? Just in case the Lord can't handle tomorrow. Would they make the extra effort on the sixth day in preparation for the seventh day of rest? Would they obey these rules even when they don't seem to make sense? Will you? Will you obey when the rules, when God's invitation, when his command doesn't make sense? You see, because that's testing. That's revealing what our heart posture is in those moments We face those same challenges each time the Lord asks us to surrender something that he doesn't like. And what our response is, is revealing our heart posture. We're either going to say, no, it's not that big of a deal. I'm going to continue and reveal our heart leaning towards self. Or we're going to say, yes, Lord, it doesn't make sense, but I surrender to you. That's the revealing nature of the training, of the testing. The question. So, so when the Lord asks us to stop a specific behavior, maybe we find it enjoyable. The world says it's fine, but yet the Lord is distinctly asking us. Fill in the blank. It, it can be a couple of beers or a couple of glasses of wine. It, it could be lottery tickets or gambling. It could be sexual promiscuity. It could be Netflix binging. You name it for your story. But what is revealed when the Lord asks us about those things is our heart posture. And it's either going to be one of obedience and submission or rebellion and self-centeredness. That's the revealing of the testing. Because, friends, as we learned last week, seasons of testing are always true to reveal what's really going on inside of our hearts. As we continue in our text today, the revealed heart of our compassionate Father shines through in these moments. 
In verse 5, with the instruction to gather extra on the sixth day in preparation for the seventh, the Lord's doing something new here in the story. He's making provision for them in the lives of his people to have the Sabbath rest. So the Lord here is not only meeting their physical needs for food, their physical need for nourishment, he's also tending to the provision and the care of their souls. It's interesting, the people didn't ask for a day off. They were just hangry, right? They just wanted food. But the Lord responds with food and rest for their souls. Full of compassion, he goes beyond meeting the needs they asked for, the needs they knew about, to meeting needs they didn't even know they had. That's the compassion and graciousness of our Father. Think of the value, the dignity that was displayed by God in that moment to his people. They had been enslaved for thousands of years, a disposable workforce, if you will. And here God says, you are so loved, you are so valued by me that I'm going to give you a day of rest, a day to restore your soul, a day to worship me. You're no longer slaves, you're children. That's the response of God in these moments. Beyond some calories and some carbs, he cares for their souls. Friends, that's true in your story today, too. You see this invitation and your mind's going, they said yes, didn't they? Like, they, they only gathered what they needed and then they took the day off, right? Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. As is so true in God's children today, some did, some passed the test, some trusted, and yet others refused. Uh, we, we have really two, we'll call them cringeworthy, responses to God's invitation to trust. The first one we find in, in verse 19 and 20. It says, then Moses, he, he's speaking of the manna here, of the provision of the Lord from heaven. He said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. Simple, no leftovers. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Now, parents... Y'all know exactly what Moses was dealing with here, right? That moment when you look at your child and you communicate clearly some ground rules for their benefit and they just continue on their way, right? Like that's, that's real. Uh, Eliza was playing a couple weeks ago on the steps, like two steps up, and I said, honey, be careful, you're going to fall. And, you know, right through her ears, and she kept on playing. I'm like, well, natural consequences on their way. Well, it only took about two and a half minutes. Bam! Woo! It's like, wow, if you only had parents that loved you to warn you right? Like that's, that's a little bit what Moses is dealing with. And, and to be fair, we do the same things. Like, like I, I, I make rubber fishing lures. It's, I'm weird. I don't know, whatever. I have some, this is a hobby for me. And so you take this liquid, it looks kind of milky and you microwave it until it's 350 degrees and it gets clear and it's molten plastic at this point. And so you pour it into a cavity mold and you can make whatever shape you want, worms or fish or whatever. Well, if you were to go YouTube or Google this process, literally every video you find is going to say, wear gloves. Every video. It's on the container of the material. Wear gloves, hot material. Do you think I wear gloves? Nope. I just burn my fingers every time I go in the shop and whine about it for two days. Like, we do this. There is something about us that we're just bent to learn things the hard way. 
And it was true in the story of the children of Israel. And to be completely fair, there were some, some folks in the group that passed the test, but there was enough hard-headed, got to learn the hard way people to remind us in these moments of our own tendency to make the rules for ourselves, to choose self over submission to God's commands. Don't answer out loud today, but I wonder which group are you in? Are you in the group that's obeying and it's trusting, even though it doesn't make sense? Or is your heart leaning out towards self? What group would you be in today? Uh, There's one more example that Moses gives us in verse 27 and 28. This time he's speaking of the Sabbath day, this, this day off, this day of speaking value and blessing into his people. This is the response. It says, nevertheless, some of the people went out on the Sabbath day to gather it. They're talking about manna, but they found none. The Lord told them they wouldn't, BTW. Verse 28, then the Lord said to Moses, how long, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and instructions? And again, the response of the people that went out on the seventh day is easy to imagine. It made sense that you would go out. You were just an enslaved people. You're you're hungry and there's been manna every other day of the week. Let me just go out. But they didn't obey. They missed it and they revealed in their hearts their tendency to lean away from what God was commanding them to do. And in a moment we see the temptation to take the matters into your own hands is as real today as it was 3,500 years ago. As the band makes their way up today and we conclude our, our teaching text, let's just, let's just look a little bit what the Lord didn't do. What the Lord didn't do. Because we know that the people are disobedient. They're, they're regularly preferring uh, their own methods, their, their own choice of what makes sense. They're leaning that way. And when that way doesn't go so great, they, they cry out against the Lord. They grumble in Him. And they're, they're forgetting all that He has done for them. And when they get to this moment in Exodus 16, they're complaining about being hungry, that they, they're going to starve. And God doesn't give them what they deserve. Because I think if we're honest in that moment, we could say, yeah, God had every right to just go, whoop, I'm done. Go back to Egypt, you brats. Like, right? God didn't give them what they deserved. He didn't turn his back on them. He didn't punish them or scold them. He fed them. He fed them. Think about that. When we would say, Lord, you have every right to turn your back. We, if we were in control, we would have just been done with it a long time ago. But he feeds them. That's the Lord overflowing with compassion for his people. And friends, that's the same Lord that's here today and hears you. So what do you think he's thinking about your story? Because he's near. Which means, yeah. He's heard you grumbling. But he's also near enough to know what you need. And what's even better is he's so close and so personal. He's moving to give you what you don't even know you need. That's the Lord. Praise Jesus. That's who we're calling on today. Will you trust him? 
trust him. You know, I've, I've been reflecting on this and, and trying to discern, like, Lord, I hear the call that, to trust you, to trust you when things are hard in the desert, when we don't see it, to trust you. And, and I'm beginning to just, just think about it. Like, the children of Israel are always focused on what's right here. And, and those needs are real. Like, those places in our lives, I mean, we need water. We need calories and food and carbs. We need those things. And, and God cares at that level of our existence, which is a miracle in itself. But he cares for us and he provides there. But you know what? Through this story, God is leading them. He's trying to do a work in their hearts that they don't even know they need. And so as I've been trying to think about that, how often in my life I get focused on the right here. And I lose sight that the God of the universe is caring about my eternal life. Yes, He cares about our existence. He cares about our going to work and school and how we slept last night. He cares. But His intimacy and His compassion is revealed in that He cares about your eternal life. The part of you that's going to transcend the grave, He's got His eye on that part of you too. And is it possible that in some of those desperate places, God has his priorities set on our eternity instead of the temporal? Is it possible? Is it possible? What would it look like today? I mean, we have studied three weeks in a row to trust him. And I just feel like what's a little bit different today is that God's asking us to trust him with the needs we don't even know we have. That he has his eye on our eternal well-being. And that if we'll say yes to him, if we'll lean in in those areas that make no sense to us, that if we'll lean in in those places that he is doing something that's going to transcend eternity. possible in your story today and that's what God's up to let's pray together Lord uh, we thank you that Lord you provide what we need here and now the the air we need the water the food Lord you care intimately about our pains and our our hang-ups and our hurts and our griefs Lord you care so much but God I think as we've studied Lord, you cared for the children of Israel so much that you were leading them, trying to get them into heart transformation to be children instead of slaves. And so, God, I, I want to make room today in my life for you to do, to meet needs I don't even know I have. And Lord, if you're using the desert, God, I got to say that's okay. that's your priority Lord and so Lord I pray today for the desert experiences in here Lord I know there's real pain there's real brokenness there's real need for healing Lord we lift those needs to you today and Lord I pray for the needs that we don't even know about the work that you're doing through these circumstances that are going to transcend eternity, Lord, because you have a desire to mold us in your image. May we side with you in that work today too, Lord. May we say yes.
even when it doesn't make sense. May we trust you in your goodness and your grace. We love you today, Father, and it's in your name. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.